We are in Genesis chapter 23. Genesis chapter 23. We're going to start reading from verse 1 of Genesis chapter 23. Now Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham rose from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner among you. Give me a burial site among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my Lord. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our graves. None of us will refuse you his grave for burying your dead. So Abraham rose and bowed to the people of the land and said to the sons of Heth. And he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish for me to bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and approach Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns, which is at the end of his field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence for a burial site. Now Ephron was sitting among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the sons of Heth, even of all who went into the gate of the city, saying, No, my lord, hear me, I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the presence of the sons of my people, I give it to you, bury your dead. And Abraham bowed before the people of the land, and he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, If you will only please listen to me, I will give you the price of the field. Accept it from me that I may bury my dead there. Then Ephron answered Abraham, saying to him, My Lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver, what is that between me and you? So bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Heth. 400 shekels of silver, commercial standard. So Ephron's field which was in Machpelah and faced Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees which were in the field that were within the confines of its border were deeded over to Abraham for a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before all who went in at the gate of the city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field at Machpelah facing Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded over to Abraham for a burial site by the sons of Heth. Okay, so this is an interesting chapter. We just got done with chapter 22, which was the chapter on Abraham offering up Isaac. And God speaks to Abraham, tells him to to go and, and make Isaac as a burnt offering. And then he goes and he tells him which mountain you should do it on. And then the angel of the Lord, which is the 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 son of, which is Jesus in the flesh, coming and appearing, says, stop, don't do this. And, and then he makes several proclamations over him. So in the chapter 22, you have the visitation. You, you see the 10th, the, the uh, 9th, 10th, and 11th visitation of God to Abraham. So much is going on between God and Abraham in that chapter. You go to chapter 23, and there's no mention of God. None. 
There's no interaction between Abraham and God in chapter 23. Only in chapter 22 it stopped. In chapter 23 you see nothing of the interaction between Abraham and God. Does that mean that God leaves us for a time? I mean, there are certain times in your life where where God is speaking to you and other times where you just got to get some business done and God isn't particularly speaking to you. So do you think Abraham freaked out and said, here my wife died and God's not even speaking to me? Well, this entire time period that that, uh, uh, we have dealt with, so it says that it says Sarah is 127 years old. She came into the land when she was, was 65 because she was 10 years, she's 10 years younger than Abraham. Abraham came into the land at 75. So they've been in the land over 65 years. If you count the number of appearances of God to Abraham, counting in verse, in chapter 22, three separate appearances, once before he went up on the mountain, once on the mountain, and then once after after the, 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 that, that uh, visitation where he told them to stop, if you count that as three, he had only 11 so far. So in 62 or so years, there's 11 visitations. So it's not like God was visiting Abraham every day. Chapter 23, there's no mention of God. And so she lived 127 years, was the life of Sarah. Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. So, let's see where, where, where Hebron is, try to remember that. And, uh, okay. so, so, Hebron is, is um, Hebron's right, where is he? right here. Okay, so Hebron's here. And, and uh, it says, we left off in chapter 23 that Abraham went back to Beersheba after he off, tried to offer up his son here where Jerusalem is. All right, so he, he, this is where, where, where he was living primarily. But she happens to die in Hebron. Hebron was where they had originally lived by the Oaks of Mamre. That's just outside of Hebron. That's where they had lived originally. Alright, so the distance between Beersheba and Hebron, that scale bar there is 20 miles, so it's about 22, 23 miles between those two points. It's a couple of days walk. We don't know what Sarah was doing in Hebron when she died, but she died in Hebron. They lived in Beersheba. And so, it says, it says in, in, in uh, verse 2, Sarah died in Kirith Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, and Abraham went to mourn for her. Mourn for her. That, that word went uh, can, can, can be preceded or sojourned to, to, or, or traveled to get there. So she dies, it appears away from him, he has to go there and he mourns for her. So he gets there and he mourns for her. We don't see him saying, why did my wife have to die when she was in another city? I mean, things happen in life. Things happen in life. And so, so uh, uh, it, we don't see anything of any warning to Abraham from God that your wife is going to die now. This is her time. I mean, things happen in life. And it says, and he, he went to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. So he went to weep for her and to mourn for her. So there was a period that he went to her 
and he went to weep and he went to mourn. And there is a time for that. The Bible tells us there's a time for mourning. There's this time for weeping. I mean, the man just lost his wife. So he's mourning for her and he's weeping for her. Then it says in verse 3, Then Abraham rose from before his dead, and he spoke to the sons of Heth, saying... So now he's got to make arrangements for her funeral. This is all part of life. It's not like, why has God come against me? My family member has died. Well, all of your family members are going to die. All of them. Some will die before you, and some will die after you. This happens to everyone. There is a time that you mourn, there is a time when you weep, and there's a time you have to get up, and you have to go on with your life. And this is what life is all about, and it's not easy. There's people to help you. I'll tell you, if you are a member of a good church, you will have lots of people coming around you. If you don't participate in the church at all, and they hardly know you, they won't even know when your family members die. There will be no interaction, and it's all going to fall on you. But if you're, if you're part of a good body of Christ and you give and help out others, there'll be a lot of help for you. They have people that can walk you through every step of this. Because a lot of times you're like, I don't know what to do. What do you do when somebody dies? And there's people in the church that can walk you through it and they, they take you through the funeral home and they help you to you pick out a casket. And there's all these details you got to deal with. It's not like magic. You gotta, you gotta pick out the casket, you gotta talk with the funeral home, you gotta talk about what kind of service you wanna do, do you wanna have the service at the church, do you wanna have the, 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 the uh, casket in the church, or do you wanna have the burial first and the casket later? Lots of different ways you can do this, and there's people that can help you because a lot of times you're in a state of mourning, or you're in a state of shock, and you're not ready for all of this. But there's people, there's the body of Christ can help you through this. So he's going and he's making arrangements. So at this time, if she's 127, she was 90 when her son Isaac was born. So Isaac at this time is 37. There's no mention of Isaac. We don't know anything. He may have been there and an integral part of this. He may have been out somewhere else. You know, they didn't have cell phones. And if she died, you know, maybe someone went hurried back to, to Beersheba and, and, Mo, and, and Abraham made the two-day trek up there, but maybe Isaac was somewhere else. There's just no mention. <clears throat> we don't know where he was. But it says that, uh, that, that Abraham had to take care of the details, and it says he spoke in verse 3 to the sons of Heth. If you look over, over in, in uh, Genesis chapter 10, verse 15, it says who Heth was. So you had Noah... You had uh, one of Noah's sons, and then one of Noah's grandsons was Canaan, and this one of the sons of Canaan was Heth. So, so this this was this was uh, uh, Noah's great grandson was Heth, and they are the ones through his his grandson Canaan. They live now in the land of Canaan. They lived in this territory. And this is now, he's speaking to the men who live in this area. And he says to them, I'm a stranger and a sojourner among you. So now if, if he's a hundred, he's 137 years old. He's lived in this land for over 60 years. God promised him all of this land. All of the land you see here has been promised to Abraham and more than what's on this map. And he has not a plot to bury his dead wife. All of the land has been promised to him, but in his possession is not even a, pl a, a place, a sepulcher to put his wife. Now, many of his clan must have died in this period, and he just dug them and put them, dug a hole and put them in the ground. But he wants something 
a little more dignified. And so what they would do is they would put people in a cave. You go to Israel, there's caves all over. And that's where they would put people. They would put bodies in the cave. You can go to Israel and you can see caves where there's these, these things that are dug out, these chutes that are dug out, and they would, that's where they would put dead bodies in these caves. And then when, when all the flesh was gone, they would collect the bones and they would put that in a box. And then that box was either given back to the family, just like ashes are given back to the family, or they would bury the bones after that. And then that slot in the caves would be reused. That's just the habit of what, what they did. In fact, many people believe that the, the, the place where Jesus was born was in one of those caves because it speaks of, and he was wrapped in cloths, not clothes, he was wrapped in swaddling cloths. Uh, that those were actually the wrappings that they put on the grave clothes. But anyway, that's a different subject. He had not a plot. Sometimes God will make a promise to you, and you're like, how come I, it's not fulfilled today? He made the promise to Abraham, but Abraham never possessed it. And you don't see Abraham saying, look, for 60 years you've been telling me this land is mine, and I haven't even a place to bury my dead wife. A lot of times there are promises that are given to us that aren't manifest yet. He had promised it to his descendants and he promised it also to Abraham. But Abraham says, I'm a sojourner here. I'm a sojourner. And he bought the land. He bought this place. <clears throat> so he says, I need a place to bury my dead out of my sight. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to bury your dead out of your sight. <clears throat> and this will come upon all of us. You will bury your parents. Hopefully you will never have to bury your children. That, that's, that's all the more devastating. But he, he had, here he was burying his wife. He says, I have to bury her out of my sight. He's having to take care of all of these details. So the sons of Heth say, hear us. You know, you can bury her anywhere you want. Nobody's going to deny you the grave. And you say, these people are really nice. This is all Middle Eastern negotiation. This is how it starts. And so, so, um, uh, so Abraham, it says in verse 7, is he bows before them. Why is he bowing? He's not bowing in worship, he's bowing before them. So the customs of the land are fine to fulfill as long as they're not violating some commandment of God. There was no violation in bowing before a man. This is not as an act of worship, it's an act of respect. So very often in many countries you, you, you'll still see that bowing. For example, in Japan. It's an act of respect. It's not an act of worshiping somebody. And so he bows before them. We can do the customs of the land. You go into other countries and, 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 uh, and you, you will do those customs. So if you read about Hudson Taylor, his great uh, work in, 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 with, in China, what he would do and he would require for himself and all the men on his team was he required them to change into the clothes of the Chinese people in that time and also to have a bonsai haircut, these, the, this, uh, where they would shave everything except one area that would go back like a ponytail. And so these were Britishers that would do this, and other Britishers would go, they'd say, we're not doing this, and they had very little effectiveness in the people in China. But Hudson Taylor was extremely effective because he lived by the standards of that land. There was no commandment against it. So you become part of, Paul said, I become all things to all men in order that I might save some. So if you were to hear me speak to a bunch of prisoners, a bunch of prison inmates, because I've done prison ministry, you would hear me speak differently 
I would speak in terminology that they might understand a little bit better. And I would use examples that they might understand. A lot of times talking about police and robbers and using those as analogies. You become all things to all men. And that's, and, and so he bows before them. In verse 7, it says, So Abraham rose and bowed before the people of the land and said to the sons of Heth, and he spoke to them saying, If it is your wish for me to bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and approach Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns, which is at the end of his field, for the full price, let him give it to me in your presence for a burial site. There's a lot in here that we just read. Amazing. So, how does Abraham know exactly where he would like to do it? Because remember, Abraham lived by the Oaks of Mamre for many, many years before he had moved to uh, 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 Gezer and then eventually to Beersheba. But he says right here in this passage, in verse 4, he said he's a stranger and a sojourner, which means that even though he lived for many years in Beersheba, he was still living in tents. He didn't live in some big building. He lived in a tent. So he lived in these tents. And then, then it says that, that he asked for this cave of Mech, of Mechpelah. So there was a cave there, and this is what he's saying. He wants this particular cave. He knows this area, so he knows exactly where he wants to do this. So there's this cave of Mechpelah. And that's what he asked for, and he knows who owns it. He didn't realize that this man was sitting right there in the city gate. That's where they did business. This is like our city hall. They would sit at the city gate. And he says, hey, he's right here. And he says, let him give me the cave which is at the end of his field, and I'll give it to him for the full price. Here's the commitment. He said, I'll give it to him for the full price. Whatever he asks, I'll give it to him for the full price. That's what he said. Verse 10, Now Ephron was sitting among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the sons of Heth, even of all who went in the gate of the city. No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the presence of the sons of my people, I give it to you to bury your dead. Now you think you might think, this guy's really nice. He's just going to give it to him. He's not. This is typical bartering that's going to begin to go on. Oh, you just take it. But the intent was never there. I've told you this story before. I had a a Yemenese roommate in in college. And there were ten of us that lived in this house. This guy had gotten saved. He had given his life to the Lord and he moved in this discipleship house. And I asked him one day, I said, Hussein, you want to go get some pizza? He said, yeah. And so we went out for pizza. And then when the pizza came, he said, I'll pay for it. I said, okay. And then we got back to the house. He tells the guy, he says, Jim invited me out for pizza and he made me pay. I said, what do you mean I made you pay? You said you wanted to pay for it, so I let you pay for it. He said, no, you're supposed to say, no, I will pay. So, you know, he's in my country. You know, I, so I was going by my culture. You wanted to pay, you pay. And, and uh, um, so it, it was, you, you think, oh, there was such a nice guy. He offered to pay. No, he didn't want to pay. That was just... This is what the guy is doing. It's okay. You can just take it. And, and look what he says. He says, you can have the cave and the field. Abraham just asked for the cave. He says, no, you can have the cave and the field. The field goes along with it. And, and, I, and I, I did some background work on this. And you can read the Hittite rules. So you can read these Hittite rules that, that were governing that land at the time. The Hittite rules are that, that if... 
the field wasn't given with it, then this man would still have the feudal rights that he would have to give over. He'd still have to pay taxes on all of that area, even though now he doesn't possess the cave. But he ha if, he has the, if he sells over the cave and the field, then the feudal rights, are re he's released from that. And so this is why he wants the field to go with it. Now, I've been to this place, this very place. You can go today to the grave where, where Sarah is buried, Abraham is buried there. The three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jer Jacob, are buried there. And their wives, except for the one wife who was an idol worshiper, she's not buried there. And you can go to that cave. Now, Hebron, the city of Hebron, is right now in, in, in Israeli land that has been given over back to the Palestinians. But they left a corridor so that you can get there because many, many Jewish pilgrims want to go there. So there's this narrow corridor and you have that same grave site is visited by Muslims and Jews, but on, from different sides. And there's a wall between them, but just on the other side of that wall. And they, they, they put up actually bulletproof glass between the two because it, it, about, I don't know, 15 years ago, there was, there was, a, um, there was a shooting that occurred through that, from one side to the other. And so, so, um, uh, you, you, you can actually see that, that place today. So he got the, he says, I offer you the cave and the field. Abraham bows again, and he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people. He says, if only please listen to me in verse 13, I will give you the price of the field. Accept it from me that I may bury my dead. Then Ephron answered Abraham and said to him, My lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver? What's that between me and you? This is a highly inflated price. So if you look at the scholars, they say this is 10 times more than it should have cost. 10 times more. This is a highly inflated price. But Abraham had already said, I'll pay the price. He didn't say, I'll pay the value. He said, I'll pay the price. This guy gives him a price that's 10 times more. Abraham dishes it out because Abraham said, I'll pay you the price. And Abraham dishes it out and gives him the price of that land. And you see, there was no resistance. The was, guy wasn't like, no, 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 I, I can't take it. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and so he's getting ten times more the value of that, of that land. And Abraham gets that. And then you see in verse 17, it, it includes the field and the trees, which is exactly how the Hittite law was written. You define the trees which were part of the land. So all of the documentation here is just superb documentation. And then, and then all of this was deeded over to him. There was not a written deed, but it was witnessed. This is the only land that, it's a 10 acre plot. This is 10 acres and a cave. This is the only land that Abraham in his life physically owned of all of this land around there, though it was promised to him, the whole land. You know, sometimes we can get all bent out of shape because we think we, think we, we just haven't been given enough. God hasn't taken care of me enough. Look at the life of Abraham, these great promises given to this man. Now I want to look at this. It says, it says in verse in verse 2, it says that he mourned for Sarah and he wept and he, and he wept for her. Then Abraham rose from before the dead and spoke to the sons of Heth. Things happen in life. You can mourn, you can weep, but then you've got to get up and move on. What was the assurance that Abraham had? Abraham believed in the resurrection of the dead. We read that from Hebrews 
from Hebrews chapter 11. He believed very much in the resurrection of the dead. And I wanted you to turn to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to start reading from verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13. And this is where Paul is talking about believers who have died, who have passed away. In the New Testament, every time there is a person who dies, who is a godly person, who is a believer in Christ, or a godly person, because the same terminology Jesus used for those who knew God, Jesus never referred to them as being dead. He referred to them as being asleep. Remember what he said of Lazarus. Don't worry, he's just sleeping. And his disciples said, if he's sleeping, he'll be fine. Jesus goes, he's dead, right? He's dead. Jesus referred to him first as asleep. When he said of the little girl who had died, he said, don't worry, she, she's just asleep. And everybody started laughing at him because they knew that she was dead. And so then he raised her up. So when a believer dies in the New Testament, it refers to them as asleep. Why asleep? Because they will rise again. So in verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Take note of these words because one day a loved one of yours is going to pass away. And these are the types of verses you want to be able to read. This very verse says, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. These are the words that will bring you comfort. The Bible itself says you will be comforted through these words. Your comfort can come through these words. He says in verse 13, I don't want you to be uninformed. In other words, if you read the Scriptures and meditate upon them, you will be informed so that you'll have a sure thing to hold on to. Without having the Scriptures, you don't have that surety to hold on to. And your life gets tossed around much more. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brethren. That means he's speaking to believers. He's not speaking to unbelievers. Here he's speaking to believers, brethren, about those who are asleep, about those who have died in Christ, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. In other words, grieving among believers is supposed to be different than the grieving of the world. And I see this all the time. My mother passed away. Uh, uh, just just this this year, about six months ago, and she was the only other person in my family who had come to the Lord. And and at her funeral, I mean, everybody was besides themselves, and I wasn't bothered at all. I really wasn't bothered at all. She had lived a good life. She had no pain in her death. She had her family all around her. We she was only sick for three months. 
and her family, we all visited her multiple times, saying goodbye to her multiple times, and then she passed away with us all around her. I thought, what a great way to go. And I knew exactly where she was at that moment. She was with the Lord. Her body was there, and one day the Lord will raise that back up again. So I wasn't phased by this, and they're beside themselves. Because my hope is different than their hope. It says, so that you do not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. Without the hope of the resurrection, death is a terrible thing. But when someone dies in Christ, it's not a terrible thing. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, if we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this is the key to knowing God, is we must believe in His resurrection. The Bible says that we have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead and you will be saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. That is the key verse. We have to confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead and we shall be saved. Once we are part of that, once we receive Jesus' resurrection, He says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. That means they will rise again as well. You say, well, their bodies are all decomposed. I mean, what's left? It? Look, he put it together once, he'll put it together again. Do you know what still remains? All the atoms still remain. They're all there. They're all there. He'll reconstitute the thing. You say, well, what if, what if two human beings shared the same atoms? You say, what do you mean? All right, so one person dies, their body degrades, some tree sucks up those molecules, changes them into other molecules, and somebody eats the fruit of that tree. So atoms that were part of one person become part of now another person. You go, is that really true? All the time. You just don't know enough chemistry to know that that's exactly how chemistry works. And you say, but then it's, it, which person gets it? It doesn't matter. Don't you understand that your body is constantly changing anyway? So who you are today is very different than who you are a year ago. You say, what are you talking about? Your molecules are always turning over. They're always changing. Don't you understand this? Their molecules are always changing. If you just take, take one, one molecule that has an alcohol group, that proton changes with another proton. One will be spin up, one will be spin down. And that's now a different molecule. They're constantly changing anyway. You say, one guy said, heard me say this. He says, well, our teeth don't change. And then boom, I just sent him one, just did, one little page from, from a Wikipedia thing, the teeth are constantly dissolving. There's constant dissolution and redeposition. It's constantly changing. The molecules, this body that we have is constantly changing. The molecules are constantly changing. And so God will put it together again. This is what He says. He'll put it together again and He'll reconstitute this thing. And if we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, comfort yourselves with this. He will take the body with Him too. But immediately, my mother was with the Lord. When she passed from this life to the next, her spirit was with the Lord. The body will be reconstituted at another time. For, for this we say to you, verse 15, but this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Meaning this, those who have died in Christ are going to resurrect 
God will take them into the clouds when Jesus returns. There's going to be a shout, a command from Jesus. We're going to, there's going to be a trumpet sound, the trumpet, and there's going to be the shout of the archangels, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We're going to see people coming out of the graves. They're going to go and they're going to be with Jesus. Then those who are alive in Christ are going to be joined with them, taken up into the air. That's the order that it's going to occur. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds. That's the order. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then the others will go into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Where are we going to meet the Lord? In the air. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, we're going to meet Him in the air. Then it, then it says, And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. And in fact, the dead in Christ are going to rise differently. There's going to be another resurrection. And that's the ones who have died before Jesus. They will be resurrected after in another event. And you can read about that in the book of Revelation. So there will be another resurrection of those who died outside of uh, those who died who were faithful to God, but before Jesus had died for their sins. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. We can comfort, be comforted through these words. All of you are going to experience death in your families around you. Remember this. If they know the Lord, they're going to be with the Lord forever. He says right here, he says, he says, And so we shall always be with the Lord. We shall always be with Him. That means as soon as your loved one in Christ passes away, they're with the Lord. They will always be with the Lord. Immediately. You can be grieving all you want. That's fine. But they're going to be rejoicing with the Lord. They will be with the Lord. That is a great comfort. And do you see why you want people to know the Lord? Because the fate of those who do not know the Lord is very different. It's very different. They're not always with the Lord. This is why I yearn for the unbeliever to know the Lord. Please come to my home this day for lunch. I will sit with you. I will tell you about the Lord. Let's get you saved today. This will happen today. It's the Lord who opens the heart. Salvation is of the Lord, it tells us in Jonah chapter 2 verse 9. Salvation is of the Lord. He will do it. This is why it's so important that people get saved. They will always be with the Lord. Comfort one another with this. You have lots of things happen in life. You can weep, you can mourn, but then get up and start attending to the matters of life. You've got to learn to get up. You can't stay there. Here's this guy, 137 years old. He's walked two days Imagine what his wife's body looked like at that point in that hot environment. He mourns, he weeps, and then he says, we just got to deal with this. I got to bury my dead out of my sight, he says. I've got to bury her out of my sight. You get on and you put that behind you and you get on with your life. Don't stay there in that place of pain, okay? You move on with your life. You are always with the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank and I praise you for your mercies. I thank you for your word that says that we are always with you. I thank you, Lord, 
for the confidence that Abraham had that he could get up and move on with his life because he also believed in the resurrection of the dead. And Lord, I pray for the unbelievers who are here that this very day they would get saved, that they would pray right now with me this prayer. Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner. Forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is Lord and I believe he's risen from the dead. Lord, save souls today, I pray. By your gracious hand, save souls today. Father, open them up that they might bow to the feet of Jesus this day. And Lord, I pray for the believers here that they would remember this message that when someone precious to them who knows the Lord has passed away, that they would remember that this person is always with the Lord. Father, I pray that you strengthen them through this and that you would bring recovery and that they could get on with their lives. Father, your blessing be there. And I commit them to you in the name of Jesus.